Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Video games. Out there, me. The people who make them. The stories behind it all. You're listening to Random Access Memories. By Ron's Pies. Enjoy the show. It's October. The air has begun to chill, the leaves are turning orange, and, in a normal year at least, we'd be carefully planning the night's events for the 31st, Halloween. Most people probably have a tried and true list of movies to throw on all month or in the days leading up to All Hallows Eve, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Evil Dead, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or maybe some not-so-scary Halloween classics like Hocus Pocus or Ghostbusters. With movies, it's easy to make a big old playlist to throw on in the background. You can get through a handful of movies in a single day, but with video games, this isn't the case. As we very well know at this point, video games take a considerably longer amount of time to complete from start to finish than a movie. And while horror games aren't typically the 100-hour adventures you might get from games like Skyrim or The Witcher, they still typically require dedication over the course of multiple days. So what many gamers do to get ready for Halloween is to simply start early. To get in the Halloween spirit days or weeks ahead of time. And while many horror franchises like the ones I listed earlier have been subject to obsolescence, many of the scary franchises in video games are still going. Some even stronger than ever, like Resident Evil. But there's always been one that's been the natural counterpart to Resident Evil. The jelly to its peanut butter, the joker to its Batman, the tails to its heads, the Pepsi to its Coke. Silent Hill. Where Resident Evil goes for zombies and the occasional jump scare, Silent Hill went cerebral, psychological horror. In terms of raw scare factor, Silent Hill may just be the scariest horror property in the world, movie, game, or otherwise. However, that doesn't mean it's been treated with that respect by the company that owns it, Konami. Silent Hill has been in a sort of limbo since its last major release in 2012. But there was one ill-fated project that grabbed industry-wide attention after a sneaky demo was released on PS4, one with some of the biggest names not just in gaming, but in horror in general. But Today, it's been lost to the annals of history and known only as Silent Hills. Welcome to Random Access Memories, a gaming podcast dedicated to the stories behind video games. This podcast is an in-depth look at a variety of the different franchises, developers, and studios around the world that form the greatest entertainment medium in the world. History, conversations, fun facts about franchises you thought you knew everything about, this is Random Access Memories. Random Access Memories is a podcast produced by Ron's Pies, a YouTube channel dedicated to in-depth looks at video games. If you like the podcast, please follow the show on your podcast distribution platform of choice, leave a positive review, and subscribe to the channel. With that, please enjoy the show. 
Hello and welcome to the October spooky episode of Random Access Memories. I'm your writer and host, Wade Rospies, and I'm sad to say, but this is the penultimate episode of season one. The next episode is going to be the last in this 10-part season. I'm coming to a point in life where I'm not entirely confident I can produce these episodes on a weekly basis, which is code for I'm moving, so I wanted to take some time off, work on some scripts, plan the episodes out a bit more carefully. I learned a lot from these episodes, and I can't wait to apply what I've learned to future episodes. So this isn't over, I just need some time off. Anyway, welcome to episode 9, Silent Hills. The events surrounding this game's story are still somewhat up in the air, but I wanted to describe the events leading up to everything that involved Silent Hills. The people who were destined to make it, the promise of the project, and the fallout after its infamous cancellation. Silent Hill is a Japanese psychological horror game series that began in 1999 with Silent Hill on PlayStation 1. Silent Hill and its sequels are renowned for their cerebral assault and their deep, personal and thoughtful stories that confront the darkest parts of the human psyche. Silent Hill touches on themes like loss, sexuality, trauma, all within the supernatural fog-filled town of Silent Hill. Silent Hill is an intellectual property owned and published by Konami, the same company that owns and publishes Castlevania, Contra, Suikoden, and Metal Gear Solid, famously created and directed by Hideo Kojima. Hideo Kojima had been involved with games before and after the creation of Metal Gear, but for the most part, Metal Gear was his entire existence. But at this point in time, 2012 that is, he was seeking to dabble in the horror genre. His desire to explore this genre is evident in many of the set pieces of Metal Gear Solid V The Phantom Pain and eventually 2019's Death Stranding. But being an employee of Konami, his options were limited. He could do what he typically did, which was to implement any new ideas into Metal Gear somehow, or to find another Konami property to use, considering Konami tends to be pretty hesitant when it comes to new IP. And that property would inevitably have to be Silent Hill. But according to Kojima, he's a pretty big quote, scaredy cat when it comes to horror movies, so he wasn't entirely confident he could pull it off. But it was the president of Konami himself that asked Kojima to be the director for the next Silent Hill project in 2012, all while Kojima was busy on what would become Metal Gear Solid V. But the promise of a Silent Hill game using the brand new Fox engine was very enticing, and that is what ultimately pulled Kojima to direct the project. Kojima is a legendary director and a student of international film, so for such an esteemed creator to take the reins on such a legendary franchise was a huge, exciting idea. And that's not even mentioning that this would be the first time Kojima would lend his directing talents to an existing property. So this would also be the first time we saw Kojima's interpretation of something not directly tied to something he himself created. Metal Gear fans know and love the Kojima touch, but still hadn't seen it applied to something completely different at the time. And despite being a self-proclaimed scaredy cat when it comes to horror, Kojima had every intention of treating Silent Hill with the respect that fans would expect. He specifically mentioned that Silent Hills would be a more psychological horror experience, rather than something that relies heavily on violence or jump scares. But he wouldn't do it alone. Kojima is often given a lot of the credit surrounding the success of his games, despite being supported by legendary figures like Yoji Shinkawa. But for Silent Hills, he was assembling the Avengers of Horror in all levels of the project, each from a unique sphere of entertainment. On the directorial level, Kojima contacted Guillermo del Toro to co-direct Silent Hills with him. Del Toro is a filmmaking legend from Mexico, the director of Blade II, Hellboy, Pan's Labyrinth, Pacific Rim, Crimson Peak, and... Oscar Best Picture winning The Shape of Water. 
Del Toro is known for his unique vision when it comes to filmmaking. He's one of those directors whose films you can watch and immediately tell that he's the one at the helm. On the acting side of things, Norman Reedus of The Walking Dead fame was slated to play the game's main protagonist. He and Guillermo del Toro were pretty close collaborators. Reedus starred in del Toro's Blade 2, so he was Kojima and del Toro's choice. Reedus isn't exactly known as a horror actor, but his most famous role by far is in the biggest horror show in TV history, aside from The Twilight Zone. However, in my opinion, the most exciting collaborator on Silent Hills was the man chosen to be the enemy designer and concept artist on the project, Junji Ito. Now, I know saying Junji Ito is only going to get a select few ears to perk up, but that's a name that should be considered amongst the great visionaries of horror, like John Carpenter, George Romero, H.P. Lovecraft, Wes Craven, Bram Stoker, Alfred Hitchcock, or Stephen King. Junji Ito is that good. Now, this isn't a Junji Ito episode, but I just want to give the man his due respect. Junji Ito is a legendary horror mangaka. He writes and illustrates Japanese horror comic books. His manga tread very heavily on extremely distressing content and some of the most horrifying imagery and storytelling ever created. Junji Ito's manga prey on common fears, body horror, nature and animals, and death and mortality all with a poignant message relevant to modern society. He is truly one of the greatest creators of our era, someone I have a deep and profound respect for. His most notable works are Uzumaki, The Enigma of Amigara Fault, Gyo, The Thing That Drifted Ashore, Tomie, and even an adaptation of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Everything from black holes forming in people's faces to great white sharks with mechanical spider legs, Junji Ito knows exactly what kinds of things strike mortal fear within his readers. The kind of fear that makes your heart pump and your brain think about its own existential mortality. Guillermo del Toro is a huge fan of Junji Ito too. He's tweeted that Kyo is quote, the scariest comic book I've ever read, and has even said that, out of pure shock, he threw the book against the wall after one of the scarier moments in the book happens. If you're looking to experience something new this Halloween season, I highly, highly recommend checking out the works of Junji Ito. Many of his manga have also been adapted to anime, but I still recommend you go straight to the source when it comes to this one. But be warned, his stories will stick with you for days and even weeks after you finish reading them. Despite that though, Junji Ito is an incredibly pleasant and wholesome guy in person, so I guess you really can't judge a book by its cover. Junji Ito has stated that he had known Kojima for around 20 years prior to the beginning of the collaboration, and that he saw Kojima as quote, a nice older brother type. Junji Ito has confessed that he doesn't play video games, but that's exactly why his perspective and expertise would have been invaluable to Silent Hills. Under the guidance of Kojima's game direction and Del Toro's experience with the genre, Junji Ito's expertise would have been used to its maximum potential. It was also allegedly Guillermo Del Toro's idea for the new project to be in first-person perspective, almost specifically to put Junji Ito's creations right in the player's face. First-person horror was also becoming relatively common at that time too, with games like Slender the Eight Pages, Amnesia the Dark Descent, and, during Silent Hills' development, Outlast and Alien Isolation. Silent Hills would have fit right in, yet been completely different at the same time. Del Toro had huge ambitions for Silent Hills. According to him, the goal was, quote, let's really freak out people. Let's really cause a panic with Silent Hills. Let's go for it. Full-blown social madness. Based on what we know about Silent Hills, I'm guessing the idea was to approach Silent Hills in a manner similar to Eternal Darkness Sanity's Requiem, a 2002 GameCube game created by Silicon Knights. 
In Eternal Darkness, there's a sanity meter that gets affected by the player's exposure to the game's enemies, an idea that would later be replicated in Amnesia The Dark Descent. However, in Eternal Darkness, the sanity meter was something that broke the fourth wall. It was something that directly messed with the player, not just the characters. The game would mimic full system crashes, save file corruptions, TV inputs changing. It was an incredibly unique idea, and something video game fans still wish developers would experiment with, especially with the advancements we've made in technology since then. So, considering the virality of Eternal Darkness and the ambitions of Guillermo del Toro, I think that's where they wanted to go. With the technology they were working with, it would have been possible to not just mess with the game itself, but maybe online interactions like PSN messages or party invites, or even phone notifications and controller effects using the DualShock 4 speaker. And as far as the story goes, I'm speculating based on the title that the concept would have been centered around multiple Silent Hills colliding with each other. In the game's fiction, everyone's Silent Hill is unique to them and their psyche. So the plurality of Silent Hills in the title leads me to believe that we'd be getting multiple, or all of them, all at once. And if you know your stuff on Kojima's future project, Death Stranding, perhaps Silent Hills was the origin of some of that game's concepts and ideas. Anyway, Silent Hills was destined to be a viral success for Konami, and that was extremely evident in the public's first exposure to the project at Gamescom 2014. At the PlayStation event that year, a very ambiguous teaser trailer for a horror game made by an unknown indie studio called 7780s Studio was shown, promoting a free downloadable game called P.T. And for the record, 7780's studio was a fake studio to hide the fact that it was Konami and Kojima Productions. Hideo Kojima did a similar thing with the reveal of Metal Gear Solid 5 in 2012. It was initially revealed as just The Phantom Pain by Moby Dick Studios. Kojima loves his subversive game announcements, but PT would be on another level. PT was a small horror game taking place in a never-ending hallway that could be beaten in around 30 minutes, but it was filled with cryptic puzzles that were intended to last players for days, if not weeks, but within hours of the game's release, players were finishing the game and uncovering its biggest secret. PT stood for Playable Teaser, and upon beating the game, a trailer for Silent Hills played. So it turns out everyone was playing a new Silent Hill game the entire time. Of course, it was just a teaser, none of the content in PT was going to be in Silent Hills, but regardless, it made people extremely excited for a Kojima-led Silent Hill project starring Norman Reedus. Fans and critics alike raved about PT following its release on PSN. The main monster, Lisa, was infamously horrifying, the scenery and themes were unsettling, and it even featured some Eternal Darkness-esque trickery with a fake crash and restart. P.T. was downloaded over 1 million times, and some critics even consider P.T. to be the greatest horror game ever made, and the best game of 2014, despite its short length, and despite the fact that it's technically a teaser trailer. But it made enough of an impression in such a short time to get everyone in the gaming world to notice. Suddenly, the entire world was anticipating Silent Hills with bated breath. However, early in 2015, following the release of PT in 2014, and leading up to the release of Metal Gear Solid 5, tensions were rising between Konami and Hideo Kojima. The details surrounding this tension are unknown and heavily speculated on, but all we do know for certain is that Kojima was effectively exiled from Konami and forced to complete Metal Gear Solid 5 before being officially fired from the company. Kojima's name was being removed from the game's cover and marketing material, where it traditionally said a Hideo Kojima game, a sign that Konami must have been upset with Kojima on a pretty deep and personal level. 
Kojima stated that he was essentially forced to work on Metal Gear Solid 5 from a small room alone until the game was complete. And once it was done, he would be let go. The working theory based on reports from developers and the press is that Kojima was fired by Konami due to rising development costs on his games. The budget for Metal Gear Solid 5 was alleged to be around $80 million. Some within the company claimed Kojima had a terrible business sense, which may add up considering Metal Gear Solid 5's heavy usage of licensed music tracks from artists like Kim Wilde, Hall & Oates, New Order, and Billy Idol. Not to mention the brand new Fox engine and elongated development cycle for the game. But regardless of Kojima's lack of business acumen, most agree that Konami's response to this situation was extremely dramatic and harsh. Konami even prevented Hideo Kojima from attending the Game Awards in 2015 to accept any of the awards Metal Gear Solid V received. He was effectively blacklisted and held prisoner by Konami at the same time. And the harsh treatment of Hideo Kojima was especially evident with how Konami treated Silent Hills following the news of his eventual departure. Not only was Silent Hills cancelled on account of one of its directors being blacklisted by the company, any trace of its existence was wiped. PT was delisted from the PSN store, meaning that no one could find it in the store and download it anymore. Redownloading it and transferring it to other PS4s is a pretty complicated process nowadays too and any PS4 with PT on its hard drive is considered a very valuable commodity. There are even PS4s with PT installed still going for over $1,000 on eBay to this day. Konami went scorched earth with everything Kojima was involved with. In their eyes, he never even existed. The extreme circumstances surrounding Silent Hills and PT have only increased its mythological fascination within the gaming industry it has since achieved legendary status. It is, in and of itself, a bit of a horror story. In the following months and years, everyone was attempting to rationalize or even refuse to accept that Silent Hills wasn't happening. Guillermo del Toro swore off ever working on video games in the future. Norman Reedus expressed his disappointment on social media, but fans just weren't ready to let go. Petitions were made, begging Konami to continue the project. Fans attempted to remake PT on their own, and there were even rumors going around that Microsoft was interested in buying the rights to finish the project for $1 billion, which was nonsense, obviously, considering the Silent Hill franchise itself wasn't even worth that much. Fans and critics just didn't want to see this project disappear, and understandably so. But Konami had no interest in pursuing Silent Hills any further following the situation with Kojima, and also saw his departure as an opportunity to dramatically restructure the company. Konami hasn't really done much publishing-wise since 2015, mostly sticking to Pro Evolution Soccer and, most infamously, Pachinko Machines. Pachinko Machines are basically Japanese slot machines in terms of popularity and concept. It's gambling, essentially. The player buys a bunch of small silver balls, puts them in the machine, and launches them pinball style and tries to land them in specific areas to increase their ball count, which they then can exchange for prizes or, if they go down the block a little bit, cold hard cash. They can't officially gamble in the game centers, but that's how they get around it, by exchanging for cash outside of the arcade itself. Konami went big into this market following 2015. In fact, this is almost their exclusive use for their intellectual property these days. They even remade cutscenes from fan-favorite Metal Gear Solid 3 in the Fox engine, specifically for use in a pachinko machine, not an actual game. The first stirrings of Silent Hill since the cancellation of Silent Hills was even last year in 2019 as a pachinko machine. It's a bit of a joke at this point, and not the funny kind. However, there have been signs that their pachinko-focused direction has been changing. 
Not only has Japan been introducing new regulations on pachinko parlors, you can imagine that with the COVID-19 pandemic, people haven't exactly been flocking to play games at bustling arcades. Recently, Konami introduced the world of Silent Hill to the popular PC multiplayer horror game Dead by Daylight, allowing players to play as the protagonist from Silent Hill 3 and as Pyramid Head from Silent Hill 2. Not exactly a promising step, but hey, it's more than they've done for the past five years. Konami have also been releasing their classic games like Metal Gear Solid, Castlevania, and Silent Hill 4 on PC through GOG.com, a sign that, if they're not making new games, at least they're making their old ones more accessible. But what happened to Hideo Kojima following his sudden departure from Konami in 2015? Later that same year, it was announced that not only was Hideo Kojima starting his own independent studio, he was also going to be collaborating with PlayStation to develop his first major project away from Konami. Sony was essentially giving him a blank check to make whatever he wanted to, as long as it was exclusive for PlayStation and eventually PC. So Kojima reunited with a lot of his former co-workers and began development on what would become Death Stranding using Guerrilla Games' Decima engine, which they had created for Horizon Zero Dawn. Death Stranding even saw the return of Norman Reedus, Guillermo del Toro, and Junji Ito, but only Norman Reedus reprised his initial role as the main protagonist. Del Toro wasn't the co-director, and Junji Ito wouldn't be a character designer. Instead, they were simply 3D models scanned into the game as cameos, amongst a list that also included the likes of Nicholas Winding Refn, Sam Lake, Jordan Vogt-Roberts, Edgar Wright, Jeff Keighley, Herman Holst, and more. And those were just the cameos. The main cast included Hollywood actors like Leah Saidu, Mads Mikkelsen, Lindsay Wagner, and Margaret Qualley. Not to mention legendary video game talents like Troy Baker and Yuri Lowenthal. It's unfortunate that these pieces couldn't have come together under Silent Hills, but Death Stranding was still an incredibly ambitious project that attempted to innovate. Kojima referred to Death Stranding as the world's first strand-type game, which is a fancy way of saying that it's a single-player game that allowed players to interact with each other in meaningful ways. If you left a ladder behind, someone somewhere else in the world can use that ladder in their world. Same goes for ropes and vehicles, and players would also have to collaborate by pooling together resources to build things like roads and bridges. It's a pretty unique idea, one specifically tailored to an experience focused on exploration and traversal rather than pure action and combat. Death Stranding was revealed at E3 2016 and was the source of a ton of speculation and confusion leading up to its PS4 release in November 2019. Death Stranding was a pretty divisive game, but one fans and critics respected nonetheless. Whether you love it or hate it, anyone can admit that there just isn't anything else like it on the market. And for that, it deserves some respect. Personally, it was my favorite game of last year. I loved it. It did pretty well at that year's Game Awards too, racking up awards for Best Direction, Best Original Music, and Best Performance. It launched on PC earlier this year in July, and it's not really known where Kojima Productions is heading next. All signs seem to be pointing to a new AAA quality horror game and plans to make original feature films. But for the horror game, Junji Ito has said that he has been invited to work with Kojima once again. Either way, we probably won't hear about it for a while, but we did think the same thing when the studio formed in 2015, and then we got a game announcement six months later, so who knows, maybe they work fast. But what's next for Konami? What's next for Silent Hill? Honestly, no one knows. They're both kind of an enigma. However, there have been stirrings from notorious games leakers on Twitter that Konami is planning a Silent Hill revival on PS5 in partnership with Sony Interactive Entertainment Japan, meaning it would be a console exclusive. 
So not only were people wrong about Microsoft getting a crack at Silent Hill and buying it for a billion dollars, the complete opposite is true, assuming the leaks are true. The leaks also suggest that it'll have no connection with Silent Hills or anything from that project, and that a demo is done and ready to go whenever Konami wants to pull the trigger. Of course, it's not crazy if you want to take all this information with a grain of salt, but wouldn't it be exciting if this was true? Either way, I guess we'll have to wait and see where Silent Hill will go. Assuming it goes anywhere, that is. But I think, sadly, we can all rest assured that the Silent Hill game we wanted is dead and buried. And maybe there will never be a Silent Hill as heavily anticipated or as promising as Silent Hills. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't welcome the return of such a beloved horror franchise, assuming it's done right. Everyone has their own Silent Hill, and maybe a world without Silent Hills is ours. And that's that on PT and Silent Hills. This one was kind of a bummer, I know, but it's a fascinating story regardless. I love everything Kojima has worked on, and even though I'm a pretty big baby when it comes to scary games, I can always appreciate it when publishers are willing to go all in on risky games. And with Resident Evil making a big comeback, why can't Silent Hill? Perhaps that's why we're suddenly hearing about a potential PS5 Silent Hill game. It's a direct response to Capcom's huge success with Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil 2 Remake. Either way, that's a wrap on this story, and I can't wait for next week's episode, the finale. It's the perfect build-up to next gen, so I hope you tune in. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Random Access Memories, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want more, check out our previous episodes and or subscribe to the show on the podcast platform of your choice. This podcast was produced by Ron's Pies on YouTube, so please check the channel out, subscribe, and share the show. You can follow me on Twitter at WadeLikesPie and Keegan at Key underscore Gan underscore Gin. See you next time.